Hello everyone, today's guest is Mandy van den Broek. She has her own consultancy company in risk management and she focuses on food industry. She's currently working on dairy company, Friesland Campina. Welcome. In the Quality Leaders podcast, I discuss challenges and innovation in quality assurance in manufacturing. What keeps the industry experts awake at night? Where's the innovation? What are the technologies behind it? And what role does artificial intelligence play in all this? Before we dive into the world of quality assurance, I'd like to ask you about podcast making. Because two years ago, during the COVID crisis, you launched your own podcast. Could you tell me a bit more about that? Maybe some tips to make this podcast a really good one? Yes, that's, that's true. I started my podcast. We did five episodes during COVID. And I thought it was interesting to talk to entrepreneurs during COVID time to see how they were dealing with COVID, recovering, and what the impact for them was on their business. And I have experienced that making a podcast is not as easy as it, as it looks like. Uh, I thought it would be not as difficult. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> we had really interesting conversations and different people with different problems and different approaches. but. In the end, you could see there was really a red line in the approach of the crisis. They all were really surprised about what was happening to their company. The second thing that they were really depressed and they all find the way how they were going to handle that depression. And after a short term of depression, meditation, yoga, whatever they thought that was necessary, they rose up and they started with their business again. What I noticed on a technical level, I'm currently also active in artificial intelligence or very fast-paced technology, shifting landscape, but also, of course, during COVID, when a lot of people had to stay home, couldn't work, weren't allowed to work, etc. Of course, people had to innovate, had to find new ways, new technologies on how to move forward, be able to indeed keep their company alive, etc. And I think that's a good bridge to what you do in your active, in your professional life. As I said in the introduction, you're a consultant, quality focused. Maybe perhaps a good first question as you're an interim kind of person who works from company A for a short notice, then moves to company B. Perhaps that's a good first question. Why did you choose that type of approach to be a consultant? Yeah, for me, it's working perfectly fine. I love diversity. I love change. I love different kinds of people. I love to learn from uh, everything I see in a new company and I'm, it's amazing to see that every company has its own culture, its own style of way of working. And if you look at the technical part, a lot of new things, new developments, and yeah, that's something I really love to see. Every company has their own culture. That's true. And indeed it's every time when somebody changes jobs, that's uh, there's some time to adjust, but. At the same time, you will learn interesting things, even if it's within the same industry, even if you stay, let's say in your case, within food and you go from dairy company to maybe meat processing, even though it's both in the food industry, different culture, different quality, way of working. And so I imagine indeed that makes it quite interesting to switch. So let's switch then now to your current employer, Friesland Campina. Perhaps what other companies have you worked for in the past? Yeah, it's what you say. I've worked for a lot of dairy companies and a lot of meat companies. So within the infant nutrition uh, part or the dairy part, I have worked for Danone, Racket Bankheiser, uh, Neerdammer Cheese, 
uh, in the meat industry, I've done also a lot of work, uh, for example, for Two Sisters Tortebo. And I have also done a job for OSI uh, International last year. And OSI International is uh, supplying all the patties and the chicken nuggets to, uh, to McDonald's. And then I think everybody indirectly knows this company. Yeah, who hasn't tried the yeah. <laughs> We all know <Yeah>. McDonald's. <laughs> Perhaps the key takeaway on a technological or innovative way, because you are into the podcast, you were also active as a quality assurance manager, but perhaps maybe what was, what, what struck you the most on a technological, innovative quality level eh, during COVID at your current role? What's your current employer and what struck you the most at the time? I think what we've seen during that time, for me, I was in a role on, on global level. So we were already working with teams and remote, and I was lucky to work in a company who could really adapt quickly for also the other positions in that company. So that was something good to see that remote working was working out very well. I can imagine that when you're really vulnerable to operation level, that it's really good when you are at, at the factory, but for the global roles, it was really, really easy to adapt to the new situation. We were not able to travel anymore, so I was not able to go to other factories, but we were able to do our job online. So that was very good. And also what we've seen during that time that, that we have to have more focus on risk management and resilience is getting more and more important. Also, because of COVID, we have all seen the impact of the pandemic. And we have also seen that a lot of companies were not aware of the risk of a pandemic. So they were very focused on internally on the risk, what is going on in our company. And not all of the companies have paid enough attention to horizon scanning to see what's going on in our outside world. That's also the question I think we see, or we saw at least with COVID, we, a good crisis. You can anticipate something, you know what's there, but did we anticipate maybe the inflation coming? Did we anticipate COVID? That's, I think, a big challenge when it comes down to quality assurance. And let me then fold it back to maybe the process when you start working with a new client or a company, how do you assess their needs, determine the best approach, maybe even prepare for that horizon? I always start, of course, with the question that where they have approached me with. So they have a very good understanding what they need and where they need some help from, from my side. And when I enter a company, I always uh, check uh, who's working there. What are the, what's the behavior of people? Because I think uh, the people is a key in the result of the project. So uh, I start with making very clear what are my targets, what is to be expected, what can uh, someone else expect from my side. And when we have that clear, then it's very easy to, uh, to work together, to do some stakeholder management, of course, and make sure that the goals, what we have set together, that they are really reached. It's indeed getting the people on board. It's, I think that falls back to the company culture. Yeah. But then, of course, there's company culture. And you said it already that the company you were working at at the time of COVID, they were already working with Teams digital meetings. So a technological approach to it, yeah, hands-on yeah, when day-to-day -day work. So I said it also, technology was moving 
very fast, extremely fast. I think ChatGPT is also showing how fast it's actually and how far it's come now. And with that being said, so the introduction of AI also comes with endless possibilities. Eh? People start working with ChatGPT to make code, to improve maybe customer customer service. And so then I assume you also use some of these AI tools in your work or how has your work been impacted with these new AI tools? Yeah, I think if you look a little bit further back in history, when you see a big change in quality land, uh, what we have seen that we at first did quality, a lot of papers and checklists, and uh, we have moved forward to data driven quality and also predictive quality. Actually, we want to know in beforehand what's going on with our quality. Where are the risks? What can we expect? And so from that point of view, you saw some tools developing. For, first of all, we started working with Power BI for analyzing our data. And at this moment, we see the shift also to collecting data. So what's going on with AI? There are a lot of things going on with AI. And I think AI is a perfect tool to help us to make sure that the quality of the product is very good. So I've seen some initiatives, for example, they are the spotting welfare indicators with the help of an AI tool. So that's uh, for this example, it was on pigs on, uh, in the houses in, for the slaughterhouse that they make sure that all the pigs are treated right and that there are no welfare issues seen on, uh, on the pigs, on live animals. That's indeed one of the greater things of AI that at scale you can monitor, track things yep. that before you could do, but not consistently, not at scale. And so yes. what perhaps could you tell me a little bit more on, on how they approach that big welfare case? Yeah, the welfare case, it, it was a development. It's totally new AI tool. We started from scratch with building in that tool. And it, yeah, it took quite some time to make sure what is needed. I think before the AI tool is really going to work as expected, First, you need to make sure that everything is clear. What do you expect, expect from the tool? How is it going to collect the data? And how are we going to implement it at this point in the slaughterhouse? So that's the, those three steps are very important. And of course, I'm connected as a quality leader and not as a really a technical in-depth expert from AI. On the background, they are developing, of course, a lot of things that I don't have all the knowledge of, <laughs> but it's very interesting to see. For example, we also have an AI tool in another unique business for really checking the quality. You can see with the AI, the differences in, in color of the meat, in size of the meat, when there are blue the tips on the meat, the blood spots or, or not, because in some cases you don't want them. In some cases, one or two spots are acceptable and there you can really make a difference in, in the quality selection of the meat. Yeah. Classification yeah. instead of manual classification of the quality quite well, very yeah. Yeah, left and right. Eh? So you have on the yeah very extensive range of possibilities. But perhaps a better question. So you were less on the technical side of the AI, more on the practical side. And what do I as a quality leader want to take out of this new AI tool? But perhaps in this implementation, development and implementation and scaling, because I assume you've also worked for big companies. So I assume they don't have just one place where they want to implement it. They had 
multiple. So both in development, implementation, as a quality person, what did you find the biggest challenge? I think the biggest challenge with AI is to really get the job done. What you think beforehand, what is the goal, what are your targets, and are you really able to make the tool that well sophisticated, that the tool is really going to give the outcome that as desired. So that's, especially when you are working with live animals and sometimes it's a little bit dark and, and on the other side, on the other factory, maybe, maybe the marriage is uh, very light and you have all kinds of difficulties when it comes to scalability. So one place is not the other place in uh, basically it's the same tool, it's the same technology, but uh, all the conditions can be different and then you have another challenge. It's actually a never-ending job, or at least that's how you make it sound. I can, I can confirm, but... Yeah, that, that's true. I think that's true. And that's also the most interesting part, I think, from working with new technologies. It is a never-ending job. You can say it like that, but also it's a tool which fits purpose and circumstances perfectly. That makes it <laughs> a big job, but in the end, you have a tool which is able to do a good 100% control, at least try to do the 100%. And in difference to human controls and human errors, sometimes people are a little bit ill or they have had too many beers the night before or... King's Day. King's Day, yeah. <laughs> Whatever, so the Friday is then a little bit more difficult than the Wednesday or uh, so there can be a lot of reasons why a human is not performing uh, as we hope that he's going to perform uh, with the AI tool it's more uh, a stable uh, quality guarantee yeah a consistent quality evaluation indeed so some of the benefits to make a short recap of what you said is consistent quality output being able to do better classification of the different levels of quality. And yeah, indeed, I imagine something you've also encountered is that finding the people to do this evaluation, you need some sort of knowledge. Then how, how are these people found? Because yeah, I imagine there is no school for meat evaluation. So how does that work? Ah, but uh, of course we have a lot of experience within the sites I work for. So we have, there is a training for meat quality. It's not that there's nothing at, uh, available at all on the market for training or uh, education. But within the company, there you will find the people with the most knowledge of their product. And uh, what we see in the meat company that we have a, a lot of workers who come in and go and fly by. But when you really look at people who are there, for longer times, they sometimes are there 20, 30, 40 years within the company and they are very knowledgeable. Yeah. yeah. And you touched something that was actually, I was hoping you would touch. And so the people need to be trained in order to understand the meat, to know maybe if the animal is healthier, you were saying animal welfare is also crucial. So then actually how does that translate? How did these people maybe contribute to the AI? Because the AI needs to understand it at the same level as those people with 40 years of experience. So how did you approach that? Did you select one person? Did you select a team to train it? Did they work together with the AI team? How did that happen? 
Yeah, we selected the team with a lot of knowledge. And what we have done with the team is define some parameters. What needs to be in the tool? What should he detect or what should he not detect? Uh, and when it was a little bit clear for uh, those people and for uh, the slaughterhouse, then connected them also with AI, technical people. And we tried to connect those two worlds. Oh, okay. We have seen some challenges, but we have done a lot of work on forehand. So we already had a set of parameters. And then the difficulty is to explain all the details to the technical AI people who have never worked with a pig before and never thought about welfare issues. And that makes it challenging and also very interesting. Exactly. Getting those two worlds meet each other on common ground, translated from animal welfare to IT knowledge and vice versa. The AI is leveraging human errors to go them, to make them go away, right? It's helping them and it's being crafted by the best experts you had in house, by parameters that are being set. But then I imagine if you take away one risk, perhaps there's now no more risks or are there any new risks? For example, you said it earlier, the AI is maybe not working in a dark corner, but I imagine what do you do if a light breaks? Does the AI detect that? Because a light can break at a certain time, so it will not tell you when it will break. But quality evaluation is happening continuously. So if you take away the human and the light breaks, perhaps that might give a new risk. Or how do you see the landscape of risks? Yeah, there are a lot of risks. If you talk about AI, we can see there's a lot of risk. In this case, we can do a lot of risk mitigation with also alarm systems. So when a light is going off or there's something with electricity or whatever, we can stop the line. So I think in this case with AI, then the risk is not as big as it could be in other approaches of AI. If we talk about risk and AI, I think that the lack of ethical thinking as a human, we can do some ethical thinking. It depends what kind of ethical thinking, you have different views on what is ethical and different scientists with different approaches in that. And that's something what the AI is lacking. And that's maybe if we talk about risk and AI, uh, that's the biggest risk. And in our case, with the welfare standards, we have done a lot of risk mitigation uh, by checks and controls and alarm systems, especially on electricity and lighting, etc. I think indeed it comes down to the AI is only as smart as you make it. So yes. it's super smart or super stupid. It's whatever you want to call it. And indeed, if you don't think of certain elements, you might indeed find yourself in a situation where something, what we as a human would say that's unethical, the AI was never prepared for it. So there is no understanding. and. Maybe the light breaks down and you don't know it and something horrible happens. There are so many risks indeed to it. And how did you do some damage control or risk control for a new horizon that was approaching called AI? Uh, in this case, you mean with this welfare indicator AI? But could be welfare, could be the quality control, but regardless if it's animal welfare or quality uh, I think there's indeed some risk mitigation. There's some horizon that is coming at you and you have yet to explore. So indeed, if you 
it's like what I said, if you don't know the pandemic is coming, you cannot prepare for it. You don't know what a pandemic is. We've never had it. So then same with AI, how did you prepare for that? Sounds like a very challenging job. Yes, and as we said, most of the work has been done before building the AI and before the technical people were coming in, because what we did only made a set of parameters, what job needs to be done by the AI. But we did also a risk assessment. We really assessed the risk. What can go wrong? How can we mitigate it? What are acceptable levels? How are we thinking about risk? So what's our risk appetite? On what level? On what topic? And that's something that we have done beforehand. And that's quite a challenge, as you said. Yeah, yeah I, I know all about it. You basically applied Murphy's Law when you were making that evaluation. What can go wrong? It will probably go wrong. Please think about it. Yeah. It's important that you have the right people uh, around the table. So you don't need to talk to only meet specialists, but you have really need to have a multidisciplinary team who can really think out of the box and think about different kinds of risks than what the need specialist would say. Indeed, you'd be surprised with such innovative projects. You say it perfectly, you need specialists of all domains to think of the risks in each of them. You yes. The animal welfare, but you will, you're working with cameras, with lightning, you're working with feeding systems, you're working with heating systems, I imagine, because it can get cold, etc., etc. Welfare is well, so many elements that come together. Yeah, indeed. You need to get around the table of all the experts. So as a freelancer, and so we were talking about AI, but that's only one technology, of course. And I mentioned also digital meetings, but so then there's a lot of developments happening in the, in the quality assurance landscape, innovation, best practices. How do you stay ahead of those? How do you stay up to date? Is there maybe any communities or resources that you tend to rely on? Yeah, it's really important to stay up to date. So I spend a lot of time in the university for getting my master in risk management to get up to speed with all the latest knowledge about risk management and how to approach topics like this in, in a new world with new challenges. And furthermore, I'm also a board member of the Dutch Society of Risk Management. So I have a really wide network of risk managers around me with a lot of experience on different kinds of topics. For example, there are finance people in there, cybersecurity people are in there, and some people are for more focused on operational safety, quality. So I have a very wide network of people who I can ask for any advice if needed. And since I'm very interested in new technologies like AI, and because I really think there is a really big future for us and also in quality uh, for quality people. I'm also digging into the topic of blockchain. So at the moment I'm uh, doing a very intensive training on blockchain to see how we can improve the food sector with adding new technologies and with, for example, using blockchain, using AI. With the blockchain, we can be more a trustable partner in the, in the supply chain. We can have more transparency and can have a better traceability for our products. So for me, it's really important to get the knowledge what I need for the future. 
think that's really important. A few things that I did indeed like here were indeed transparency, sharing insights, sharing best learnings, looking into new technologies, those in the end, indeed, the, the hybrid combination of those blockchain with AI, big data, will indeed be able to and implement them on every level. Eh? So production and then moving on to the yeah, yeah, to the consumer and the full chain of that. Yes. That's gonna be very interesting to see the technological developments in that domain. AI, the way people know it the most, is ChatGPT is only there for a few months now in the people's minds and Already, I hear so many people experimenting with how can we use them, how can we implement them. And indeed, the way you said it, you have to work with them. You have to talk to other people in other domains. How are you using them? How do you see that indeed will make sure that you, Mandy van der stays ahead of your fellow colleagues at QA? Yeah, that's of course is important because if they have a nice job, they have to call me. Then what you said, we it's a hybrid technology, what we can use on a different kind of topics where we uh, focus with AI really on product quality and for blockchain, we can have more a transparent supply chain and those technologies are really the future also for the food business. People are more and more like critical when they get information from brands, when they get information from the left and the right, and they're right. We have all these warnings about the fake information that might get to us. And the way I understand it from you and from my own learnings is indeed that blockchain could be somewhat securing technology in that domain. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit on, on that, give a sneak peek into how you see the future with perhaps blockchain AI. Yes, I think for a trust, it's a really important technology. At the moment, we have a lot of certificates going on in the sector, for example, if it's, it has to be a product which has been produced without Brazil, the Amazon, that area. And at the moment, it's all done by papers and certificates. And the certificates are then sent by email to the next party. And then it goes to the second party in the supply chain. And we all trust on the certificates. Hopefully, it goes well. <laughs> And we trust them now because they send us the certificate that with technologies as blockchain, then you are sure that at the point from harvesting the product, every transport, every storage, every production area is in the blockchain and they will confirm that they have done the right thing in the blockchain and the blockchain is immutable. So you cannot change anything in the blocks before. So at when the really the product is at the end consumer, then we have a chain of blocks with a lot of trustworthy information. And is that then something I as a consumer would be able to consult in an easy way, for example, by taking my phone and scanning the product? Or is that something only for producers to be visible and checked by certified bodies, inspection companies. Yeah, I think in the future, we all check our QR codes on the product. There are already some initiatives with QR codes and checking, for example, on the needs, you could check where it's coming from, which slaughterhouse it was, with, with where is, has the farm been, was it in the Netherlands or Germany or whatever. But it's not based on the thrust from blockchain. So in the future, we will make that technology more and more 
important. And with the QR code, you can see really into the blockchain and see the information back to the heart. That's right. The farm, that's, for example. That's traceability on a whole other level from when I was a kid taking my box of cereals and reading <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just about anything I could find on it. Yeah, and that's why I like new technologies, because we can see and do a lot more than what we could do in the past. Yeah, yeah super interesting. And so some companies, when they either are stuck in their way of producing in their brownfield environment, or they want to or are starting to work with new technologies, what pitfalls do you see and how do you prevent them, both in brownfield as innovation? And so both approaches, perhaps. How do you help companies in that perspective? I think what we see in a lot of brownfield operations is what that we have a lot of controls implemented. We have a lot of documentation in there. But what we forget is that the human error is almost always the, the weakest link in our production area. So what we need to be aware of that people are really trained and really uh, know what they are doing, that they exactly know why things need to be done and that the knowledge of the people and the operators on the floor is of a high level so to, we can prevent the mistakes. Yeah. And the human, sad to say, is the weak link here. And how do you see then blockchain and AI? You talk about documentation, but so you're on the chain of, or on the train of innovation and new technologies. It's something I, that we hear a lot that, that the AI is a danger to us. I've heard that AI is taking away the jobs. How do you maybe see that in, in light of the humans being the weakest link then already? Um, I think what we are seeing in the nearby future is that AI is not only overtaking our jobs, that will be probably a shift in the future. Maybe that some jobs are taken over by AI, but if you see what knowledge is necessary to, uh, to develop a system like that, the project management around implementation of projects, of projects of AI, we still need a lot of human inputs and a human uh, uh, human jobs. So maybe the jobs are changing, but it will not take over all the work that we are doing at this moment. And same is for blockchain. We still need to do a lot of work in the blockchain. We still need to do our operational processes. Only the documentation will be different than we do now at this moment with certifications. Uh, yeah. I've heard some very interesting things, of course, good insights. And so out of all the projects you have done and all the companies you have worked for, what's perhaps your proudest achievement? I think that all the projects are very interesting. As said in the beginning, all companies has its own culture, its own technologies, its own set of people. So I think that's, that's always good to get some knowledge about, about that. And I'm very happy to work with so many different kinds of peoples. And I'm very proud. When, I'm always proud when I'm reaching targets. So for me, that's very important that targets what I've set that I reach. And when I'm really, when I get really happy is when I, the company asks me back for a second project or a third project. 
that's really the confirmation that they were also proud of the job that we have done. Exactly. And quality is a never ending aspect. Quality, in, especially in food, well, I, every company, but f- at food, when it goes wrong, people immediately feel it. The consequences are killing. So yes. you have a very important role. Uh, perhaps a, a more psychological question now, but so, yeah, so your job, is it really about ensuring good quality and safety or a project, or is it maybe more the way of, and that, that's actually a good continuation of what I just said, a way of protecting the brand of the company? You said in the question before that quality is really, really important because it's killing. I think that that's spot on because if you produce a wrong kind of food with, with a risk in it, people could die. So in that point of view, <laughs> food can be killing. And that the second part is, of course, if someone gets sick of your product or it comes in the media, then we are talking about brand protection. So we are protecting the brand by producing a good quality product, as we have seen in a huge recall last year from Infant Formula. It was, the recall was done freely, so it was not pushed by authorities. They done it freely, but what happened that all the product has to be retained from the market, the stocks dropped and the total cost of the recall descended up to $325 million. So quality is really about producing a good food and thereby protecting the brand. Those numbers really are important because in the end, same with, but whenever you hear there's indeed a data breach and people are being hacked and that cybersecurity, the same principle applies for quality assurance. It's only obvious how much we need to invest in it when things go wrong, when we can measure that's an opportunity to measure the value of your role, your job, eh? when it goes wrong, how much money it can actually cost. So that should, in that way, the perspective of the budgets that are necessary. Yes. And to go further. And eh? so quality assurance and risk management are then often seen as something behind the scenes. So then maybe what is the one thing that you wish people that maybe People understand about quality assurance more that, that would, well, if you could go in front of the screens that you would say to the people. Yeah, of course, what we always say in the quality department, quality isn't owned by the quality department. Quality is owned by everyone in the company. And that's the same for risk management. The risk manager is not really the risk manager. Everyone in the company is a risk manager. And that's something what should live from everyone, if it's not only at the reception, the lady who's sitting there, but everyone in production area, sales, we are all risk leaders. And especially sales can see what's going on the horizon, what's outside. The operators can see what goes wrong internally in the processing area. And as well, risk management as quality is owned by the whole company. I think that's a good final question to conclude with. It's very true that it's actually company culture. That's company it. Company culture. Yes. Yeah. A human okay. factor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that indeed proves the point that the human element will never be away, you know, or at least not within our lifetimes, I think. Okay. Well, that was very interesting. Thank you, Mandy. I hope like, for me, it definitely was a very interesting podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Yes. 
Thank you very much. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, that's it, folks. Hope you liked it. If you did follow the RoboVision page, follow my page. Leave us a like, of course, or a comment. If there's anything you'd like me to talk about quality related, leave it in the comments and we'll be for sure considering it. Take care.